What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today we're going to go over scrapes. Scrapes are one of my favorite pieces of deer sign in the woods. Not that there's really that many, but they are like by far my favorite. They just can, you can gain so much information from scrapes. So with the pre-rut kind of in my head, the pre-rut kicks off October 15th, which is the date I'm recording this. Uh, and you really start seeing scrapes open up right now and you start seeing heavy use of them here in the next week or so. I just wanted to get this out there. So if you are hunting scrapes or you're in the vicinity or you found some, you at least have a little bit of knowledge um, on how you can use that information to your advantage. And if you already know everything there is to know about scrapes, um, you know, hopefully I can just provide a little nugget here or there in this podcast that'll help you guys uh, become a little bit more successful as well. So I kind of have an idea as to how I want to run this, but I just wanted to start off with what are what is a scrape for anybody who doesn't know what it is. It's essentially uh, a deer where deer kind of congregate where a bunch of trails. It's usually where a bunch of trails intersect or a field edge or somewhere where there's high deer movement, which is also a great piece that I need to touch on here. Let me write that down. Uh, what a deer will do, give me one second here, high deer traffic. What deer will do is they will actually take a scrape or they'll make a scrape. They'll find an area where a bunch of deer congregate and a buck will usually where a branch kind of lays over an area. It's usually about head height or lower. What they will do is they'll rub their face and lick that branch and that'll leave their scent on that branch. And then they will also take their front hooves and paw at the ground right there and they'll scrape that ground up and it's usually just in a circular pattern it's from one point outward and they'll remove all the leaves or grass or anything in that area so for the purpose of this right now we're going to talk about a field edge scrape so they'll be walking along a field edge a buck will be walking along a field edge it'll find a licking branch is what it's called and that's where they'll lick the branch, which like I said, about head height, rub their face on it, and then they'll scrape away all, all the grass and everything until there's just dirt in the bottom. And then there's a circle, a dirt circle on the ground, and then they'll pee in that. And that is a scrape. So you can find those all over if you're walking field edges and you see a bunch of like circular dirt spots and you see like it almost looks like claw marks in there or scratch marks. That is a scrape. And sometimes you can see like 10 along a field edge, sometimes you'll see none, sometimes you'll see three, uh, and they can be along field edges, in the woods, um, on trail intersections, They're, they can be all over the place. But generally, deer put them in high traffic areas because what that scrape is used for is deer communicating with each other when they're not there. It's almost like if you, if it was like a community mailbox, like, you know, you all live in a neighborhood and there's one mailbox in the middle of it. And if you want to pass a note and talk to the other person, you can't just call them. You got to go to that mailbox. You got to drop off a note. And then you got to hope that that neighbor comes by the next day and opens the mailbox, checks the note, and then takes it back, if that makes any sense at all. So what deer will do is a doe will come to that area. She'll pee in it. 
if she's in estrus or she's getting close to estrus or she wants other bucks to know that she's getting ready or she's in that area, she'll come pee in that. And then other bucks from around the area will come and check that scrape and smell it and go, oh my gosh, there's a doe in estrus, there's no does in estrus. They'll figure out who's in, what does are in the area and what their cycle is like, their like pregnancy cycle, for lack of a better word. And then they'll be able to know if somebody's in that area. And then also other bucks will pee in there as a dominance factor. Like, hey, I'm a big buck. I'm bigger than you. Or, the, you know, other bucks will come and be like, oh, crap, John's in this area. Or, you know, the Big Ten's in this area. I'm not, I don't really stand a chance. Maybe I want to go out. Maybe I want to stay here. You know, other bucks will identify themselves as well to try to establish don- dominance. So that's generally how scrapes are used. So you find those big dirt circles on the ground. Uh, you know that deer are visiting them and peeing in them and using them as uh, information and data for themselves. So that's kind of what scrapes are. And I, I hope I did a good job. I hope you understand what I mean by all that. And all that being said, not every scrape is used as much as other scrapes. So the thing there is like you might, you know, essentially like back to the whole mailbox thing, like if you're just setting up mailboxes all over the place, some might be easier for people to reach than others and some might be pretty far off and you just set one up and ah, it's not going to work out or whatever. So there are scrapes that very few deer hit and there are scrapes that almost every deer in the area will hit. And those scrapes where every deer in the area will hit are generally called community scrapes. Uh, There's a book on it, and I can't remember what it's called for the life of me. If somebody remembers that book name, please send me a DM um, on Instagram or Facebook or just write me an email. I think you can grab my email through this podcast, but let me know. But there's a book on, on this, and community scrapes are generally scrapes that are there year over year over year and you'll notice them because they'll actually be like meteor holes in the ground like they'll be deeper they'll be an inch deeper two inches three inches deeper than the rest of the ground around them all the branches on some tree or some bush will be broken off and it's there every single year it's just a deep hole and that is that is a phenomenal scrape it's a a very good piece of information if you're a deer hunter because that means that deer come to that spot every single year and a ton of deer in that area use it whereas and those are usually found at big trail intersections um, in the very corners of field edges and things like that or um, just yeah generally where a lot of deer converge into one area because like i said bucks want to set these up in areas where there's a lot of high deer traffic so that they will know you know if all the does are coming through this area i'm going to set up a scrape right in here because i want them to pee on this and let me know that they're an estrus and then i can you know actually start chasing them around that's what mature bucks do young bucks just chase chase them around regardless kind of like you know 16 year old boys they just chase girls around regardless um Whereas the older, more mature bucks are more picky. They, they won't chase them at, you know, in October 20th, they'll start chasing in November when they're actually getting closer to estrus and that actually they're smelling that in the scrapes. So uh, 
you find these community scrapes and then you can find these kind of like satellite scrapes which is just like a buck just got a wily hair you know a two and a half year old buck just got a wily hair and just started making scrapes along a fence row or something like that and all of a sudden you come there one day and there's 10 scrapes and you're like oh my god this looks phenomenal and in reality it was just one buck that just uh <laughs> kind of went off one night and and made 10 of them all in a row so finding those community scrapes is a far greater tool than the than the satellite scrapes but one of the and one of the best ways you can tell that is actually setting up trail cameras on them and moving them around during the week community scrapes will be hit annually all year round deer will come by and just let others know that they're in the area uh it's kind of like a little you know what i want to call it like a post office for the town like they just stop in there and say hey i'm here you're here who else is here and then they move on so that's that's those community scrapes so if you're walking through the woods in the summer and you're uh scouting or you're in you know april or may or something like that and you're scouting and you find a big scrape and it's kind of still active or you put a trail camera on it and you're still getting deer activity on there then that's a community scrape that's a annual annually used scrape whereas there's other scrapes like i said you'll put a trail camera on and you'll just get you know bucks only during the pre-rut time and then that's not a community scrape also you can actually uh how do i want to say this you can some scrapes are used only by young deer and some scrapes are used by young and mature deer so one of the things I did last year was, or I've done for the last couple of years, and specifically last year I really noticed this, uh, was that I, on October 15th, usually around this time frame, I will move all my trail cameras to scrapes. And that's where I will take kind of inventory and figure out where all these different deer are. And there's some scrapes, I got a video of it last year, that I know are just there all the time. So I just set a camera up on them early. Even if there isn't a scrape there, I know that there's going to be a scrape at some point. And it was really cool. I actually caught this really nice 10 point making the first scrape in that area, which was pretty cool. He kind of dug it all out himself. Um, it's a great little video on my Instagram if you want to go check that out. But I moved all of them to those scrapes, and there were certain scrapes that through October 15th to December 15th, when I went back in there and kind of checked them all or whatever, uh, only had young deer on it. So there were only two and a half year olds and younger. I thought they were great scrapes, but they actually didn't turn out that well because no mature deer was on that scrape the entire you know, rutting season. There were other scrapes that I didn't think were as good. They were, they were smaller, um, but they were also like in my brain, they could have been community scrapes. They could have been just satellite scrapes. I didn't know. And I got multiple mature deer on them. So as well as young deer. So in my brain, it kind of actually, when I dropped all those pins, I always talk about Onyx maps. I'm sorry if you guys hear me all, all the time, but it's a great tool for me. I was able to pinpoint from those trail camera pictures and those scrape locations where these mature deer were moving because I knew that they hit, you know, scrape A, B, and C, but they did not hit D, E, and F, meaning they just totally avoided this area. And actually what it turned out to be was anything within like essentially 200 yards, 100, 100 to 200 yards 
of the main trail on this piece of public land was not hit by mature deer. Any scrape that was in that area, in that vicinity, was not hit by mature deer. Any scrape that was above or beyond 150, 200 yards was possible to be hit by mature deer. So some of them didn't, weren't at all. They were just kind of, I just would get one off, you know, younger deer, but other ones, like I said, in very specific areas were hit by mature deer. And that told me, that taught me a ton. Uh, last year, I had a theory on it a couple years ago when I did that. And then two years ago, I moved them all the, all the scrapes, but I didn't really understand it that well. And then last year I really pinpointed the community scrapes for satellite scrapes and where I thought deer, good deer would be. And it just really allowed me to understand if I wanted to kill a deer that was essentially like 140 inches or greater on public land, I needed to hunt these specific areas because they weren't even over in these other areas. Never, not even at two in the morning, not even at, you know, 3 a.m., not even on November 7th or November 8th, which are typically the best days of the rut. I didn't see them at all. So if you do have, and that was running, I ran nine trail cameras last year on different scrapes throughout that area. And that piece covered just for size reference, probably four to 500 acres, I would say, somewhere in that range. I ran nine cameras across there. So I wasn't, I mean, my cameras were spread pretty thin, but at the same time, I didn't want them too close because I didn't want, uh, I didn't want to get a ton of overlapping data. I really wanted to spread them out and figure out where these deer were. Cause that when you're picking apart a huge piece, like four or 500 acres, and this piece in total is almost 6,000 acres. And I was just working on this one section. Uh, like you don't want all that overlapping data. It's probably not going to help you so much. Um, spreading your cameras far and wide so that you can collect a ton of data from all the quadrants within that area is a better option than you know all harnessing them into one area unless you're after a very specific deer and that deer has been caught on a trail camera in this quadrant so then you want to move all your cameras over there to really like narrow down exactly what trails he's using and how he's moving in and out and what time of day and what type of wind and what time of year then I would suggest doing that if you really wanted to know that, but then you also have to manage, you know, your presence in that area, your scent and everything, you know, and the, and the limited capabilities of entering and exiting that area and all that kind of stuff. But that's a whole different trail camera topic there. But anyway, back to the scrapes is just, you know, that was, that was a huge key indicator for me on where mature deer lived. And many of you who are listening, that is your goal is to kill mature deer. Um, or if it's just to kill any deer, I will tell you this also as well. If you're just out there trying to fill the freezer and just get your first bow kill or just any kill on public land, that the, the trails that were within 200 yards and had a lot more younger deer on there, I had a much greater prevalence rate of deer during daylight hours on those scrapes. So the thought being if you wanted to just kill a deer then those scrapes that held younger deer is a better option for you if you wanted to kill mature deer then your odds are much lower of seeing them during daylight hours but they're much higher of seeing a mature deer back in these other 
other areas that I was hunting, if that makes sense, that only held mature deer. So if, you're, if your objective is just to kill a deer, I would try to find the scrapes in your area. It doesn't matter where, but try to find any scrapes, any and all of them. Mark them all on a satellite mapping software. I, like I said, I use Onyx, but if you use something else, use that. Onyx is free for this capability as well. You have to pay to understand the private and public land boundaries, but I'm like pretty sure it's free to just like use the software and drop waypoints on it. I can't remember exactly because I've owned Onyx for so long, but previously before I bought it, I think that's what I was doing with it. But there's other apps out there too if you just want to use them for free. But the reason I say that is drop them on an aerial map so that you can actually see them from an aerial view because then you can really start to pick apart uh, it's almost like a connect the dots book when you're a kid. If you drop all those pins on there, you can see where all the dots are. And after reviewing that, you can also probably see where all the trails are in your head. Like when you were in those areas, how the trails came in and out of that area. And you'll probably start noticing some patterns and some different situations where you're like, oh, wow, the deer started at scrape A up here in the north. And, you, and I know there's a trail that goes south from there. And look, right on that trail, there's also scrape B, scrape C, scrape D. Oh, and then this huge trail comes in from the east and intersects at scrape D. You know, and that one looked a little bit bigger than all the rest. Maybe that's a community scrape or maybe that scrape has higher odds of seeing deer there. So I should drop a camera there rather than the other scrapes because I'm probably going to see more deer there and I might be able to hunt there more often or something like that. I don't know what it is, but dropping all those on an aerial map dropping those pins and then being able to see it from an aerial view really helped me be able to get like a full field of view as to what these deer were doing there were also also in in doing that you can actually see how deer move in relationship to a trail or a path that comes in on public land uh because i can tell you that the piece that i'm specifically thinking about there's a human mode trath path from the DNR that comes in from the west, goes to the east almost like a half mile, and then goes to the south about a quarter mile. And it's just kind of this L shape. And the scrapes perfectly um, stay like about 100 to a, like 75 to 150 yards off that trail and just around the edges. There's a couple that were made on the trail itself, but I'm never... I'm actually never very interested in those at all because most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time those are nocturnally made. So I can't kill a deer at night anyway. So I'm not too concerned about them. I'm more concerned about the ones that are off the trail where the odds of me seeing a deer on them during daylight hours is much higher. So that's what I would suggest doing. And then drop your cameras on them and, you know, I, it's tough because you only have X amount of days during the pre-rut and then X amount of days during the rut and then it's gone, right? It's, it's really about 40 days or so. Yeah, like probably 15 to 20 days of pre-rut, 15 to 20 days of rut, and then it's done, you know? So you got to, people want to know how long do I, I've got, got this question a few times, which is how long do I leave my cameras on a scrape? And the answer is I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, two weeks should give you plenty of information, but I would also argue that 
there are certain days of the year where mature bucks will move and be more active. I know specifically a few cameras that I've had out October, like last year, October 23rd and 24th and 25th. Those three days I had more deer. I had all my deer over three and a half years old on camera those three days. All the rest of the days from October 15th to October 31st, I had no mature deer. Actually, I think it went to November. I think I pulled them on November like 4th or something because I had killed a buck. It was kind of interesting because I had killed uh, a nice eight-pointer earlier that year in like early October, but I still ran all my cameras because I just wanted the information. And then because I didn't care whether I bumped deer or not, because in Wisconsin you only get one buck, buck tag, I just went out on, I think on November 4th and just collected all my cameras because on public land, like November hits and pressure skyrockets. People are out there all over the place at that point. And cause it's all the rut. I want to get out there and blah, blah, blah. And then gun season in Wisconsin starts mid, mid to later ish November. And I just wanted to get all my cameras off before then. So I went and pulled them all on like November 4th. And when I reviewed all the data on all those scrapes, all the mature deer showed up on three days and then I never saw them again, which was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you why I don't know. Um, but it was, you know, early October and maybe if I would have left them out there a little bit longer, they would have showed back up again, but, uh, I'm just not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And multiple deer on those cameras actually hit the scrape. Those mature deer hit the scrape on the 23rd and I didn't see them on the 24th. And then I got them again on the 25th, like coming back from the direction that they were, uh, which was pretty interesting, but then I also, and that was just, that was three deer. And then I had one deer, one or two mature deer hit it on the 24th. And, uh, and then they didn't show up again ever. So it was kind of odd how that all worked out. But, uh, but yeah, that leads me to, I don't know. I was kind of running off on a tangent there, but, uh, how did I get there? Um, So essentially running trail cameras on scrapes <laughs> gives you a lot of information, I guess. That's that's my main point. Uh, but hunting them is different. Like what I would suggest you do if, if you're like, oh, Anthony, I don't have trail cameras. I don't have nine. I don't want to run them all. I, need, I want to hunt a scrape this year. I don't want to have to wait a couple weeks and then figure out the data. And by then I'm too late, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I get it. That makes total sense. I would still suggest moving your cameras to scrapes and then just hunting them as well. So hunting, hunting them or hunting close to them uh, will help you out. One huge tactic that I like to use, again, it deals with an aerial map, is plotting those scrapes out and figuring out kind of where those scrapes kind of stop. And it's usually, uh, if you're in like, if, the, if you're starting to see a pattern and there's almost like a line, I call it a scrape line. I'm sure other people do that too. Uh, there's it'll kind of stop at a thicket or a thick area an area that you don't really want to walk into that's just like branches everywhere and tons of underbrush well that's probably a bedding area so one of the tactics that was very useful for me last year was actually getting between that first scrape outside of that bedding area 
Uh, I was able to map all those scrapes. I figured out where the bedding most likely was. I took a guess at it. I was correct. And I had multiple bucks come out of a bedding area and go to this scrape. They didn't take the exact path that I thought they would, but there were a couple small bucks, um, one nice one, uh, and then one that sounded really nice as he was running away from me. So, uh, so I had, I did have that happen and that's a great tactic. If you guys can, can figure that out, get between the first scrape and the bedding area. Cause if they're laying down all day and they get up and they're like, all right, I'm getting up, I'm getting ready for the day. I want to get my evening essentially started. I want to go find a doe, see if she's around, see what she's up to. I'm going to hit that first scrape and see what I find. And so if you're close to there, your odds of success are much higher than if you're, you know, three or four scrapes down from that bedding area because they're going to spend their time on that first, second, third. And especially if they pick up, you know, a hot scent on that first one, you might be out of luck completely because they might just go, oh, she went this way. I got to go this way. And she's just gone. You know, finding that first scrape is, is pretty important or it's, it just really increases your odds. The other thing about that, that I wanted to touch on was uh deer hit scrapes almost like a cycle or a pattern they have like a route that they like to take and i've noticed this a few times uh, if you hear that sneezing that's my dog in the background i think he has allergies i'm not quite sure but he's been sneezing a lot lately since we went on a big scouting trip <laughs> but uh deer kind of have a like i was saying deer have a a cycle or a pattern or a route that they like to take. So sometimes you'll see a deer one day and you won't see him again for six to seven days. Then you'll see him again and then you won't see him again for six to seven days again. And what that is, is them just having their route or their pattern. So talking with a coworker today, he was telling me that he was getting this mature buck on camera once every 10 to 11 days. And he was like, why is it only 10 to 11 days? Like, is he using different trails during that time frame, or what's the issue? And I don't know the exact answer. Like nobody knows. I couldn't tell you the exact answer. I don't have enough trail cameras <laughs> to figure that out. But most likely what he's doing is that buck. And he also said the buck always came from the same direction. Every 10 days, it came from the east, came past the camera at within an hour or two of each other and went to a certain area. And what that buck is doing is it's just going from you know point A to point B to point C. Again, if you think about the connected dots when you were a kid, he's just going from point to point to point to point. And it's probably like, and the points probably uh, rotate on and off like bedding, food, bedding, food, bedding, food. And then if there's scrapes and that's in general, that's how bucks will typically operate, you know, and some bucks will be that, that route or that pattern that they like to travel might be like three miles long. Other bucks, it might be a half mile long and they just really like their one core area. It all depends on every different scenario, but once, and that's, so that's generally how bucks move throughout a piece, but they also um, change that during the pre-rut and when scrapes start being formed, because instead of just going from bedding to food to bedding to food, a lot of times it will be bedding to scrapes to food, bedding to scrapes to food, and they'll stop off and check those scrapes first. And so you might get, you know, a buck on October 16th, and then you'll, 
you'll be like, wow, that's a nice buck. And then you won't get them again until October 22nd. So it was, you know, six days away. And then again, you get them October 28th. So another six days. So one of the things you can do in that situation is once you figure that out, like, okay, every six or seven days, he's coming through here in the evenings. So that'll really help me actually figure out, you know, when to sit there. And that's something that even I've heard it on a bunch of podcasts from elk hunters as well. Their cycles can be 14 to 20 days and an elk can move, you know, 20 miles, 30 miles during that time frame. Whereas whitetails, there's so much vegetation, so much habitat in the Midwest. They don't need to move that far and their routes are usually shorter. But at the same time, the same theory applies in that they'll, they'll cycle through an area. So if, if you see a buck, and then he doesn't come back for two weeks or something like that. Like, don't worry. That's just his pattern. And you just need to figure that out and, and adjust to it and be able to capitalize on it. Uh, and that's with the scrapes when they get mixed into the pre-rut area or time frame. man, sometimes I wish I had somebody else on here to just, just tangent here to just keep me on track. Cause I just keep talking and talking to myself is always interesting. <laughs> but I have these conversations with friends and coworkers and just people on Instagram and stuff like that. And it's easy because I can actually have a conversation and I'm working on getting more people on here. I'm just trying to get up to, you know, a certain, I'm trying to get 10 podcasts done. So I'm on number seven. I got three more to go after this one. And then I'll start having a lot more people on here. I just got to get kind of a baseline of what I do to out to people so that I'm not uh, I'm not inviting people onto the show and wasting kind of wasting their time. I don't you know I don't want people to waste their time. I want to make sure that I'm bringing value to you guys and I'm bringing value to the people that I have on here. So anyway, that's it's neither here nor there. I just kind of wanted to say that um, it's just on my brain right now. So those are the routes for the pre scrapes and how or the pre rut has those routes. Um, and the scrapes get factored in there when bucks travel and how they move. The other thing I wanted to touch on, and this is a personal theory of mine, and it's kind of like, I call it the beacon theory. Um, I explained it to a friend the other day and, and he was trying to figure out how like bucks move throughout his property. And I asked him if he had a lot of scrapes and he said, yes. And I said, do you have cameras on them? And he said, yes. And I said, have you ever analyzed how long it takes for a buck to get from one scrape to the other scrape? And he said, no. So I told him he should start doing that. And then you can start figuring out what they're doing between scrapes or what they're most likely doing. Cause a lot of times between scrapes, it's a bedding and a food source again. So uh, I haven't reconnected with him. But I call this the the beacon theory, <laughs> which is like if you imagine a, a square, like just let's just say you have, you know, 120 acres and it's a big square and they are our scrapes throughout the property. Let's just say there's seven scrapes on that 120 acres, seven good scrapes that you have that you also have cameras on those scrapes, in my opinion, act like beacons for deer there are certain scrapes that will just draw deer to an area because they are that big they hold that much information there's that many does hitting them there's that many other bucks hitting them 
there's so much communication going on between deer at those scrapes that they're going to be there. And that beacon, the, the reason I say beacon is because it just like draws them in. And in my and in my brain, how it works is they will go from one scrape to another and there's a route and a pattern and a reason for that for that rotation through those scrapes. And if you can figure out which ones they're going to and what pattern they're on, you can typically figure out what they're doing in between and then also guess what they're going to do next. So if you see them kind of going in like a counterclockwise motion through these scrapes and you check them and he's only like halfway through, say he's on scrape number four of seven, and you're like, holy crap, he hit this last night. I'm pretty sure he's going to hit scrape five tonight or tomorrow night or the next night. So I need to be there for the next couple nights. And then, you know, you can guess that and see if you're right or wrong. You know, that's the big thing. And, and hitting a, hunting a scrape, you can haunt it for two, three, four nights and not see anything. And then the fifth night might just be the right night for that deer to be in that area. So don't, don't think that if you go and hunt a scrape. And when I say hunt a scrape, I don't mean literally sit five yards from it. I mean, you can. Like, that's not a, a huge thing. But generally, if I'm saying hunting a scrape, I mean kind of have it in your field of view. So be I generally like to be within 50 yards of it. Um, I like to get closer than that. I'd probably be under, under 50, 40 to 50, somewhere in that range. And then I like to be on a trail that I think the deer will use going to it and from it. So either I prefer if I'm going, if it's an evening hunt, I would prefer that I catch them going to the scrape and then if it's a morning hunt, I prefer to catch them leaving the scrape and going to a bedding area uh, just because that's generally the route that they're going to take. And that's that's generally what I mean is you set up, you know, you use your tree stand, ground blind, saddle, whatever you want to hunt out of and set it up within that area. I don't mean sit like literally right on top of it because uh, you don't really, in my opinion, you, you don't want to do that. Like a perfect scenario is like 25 yards, in my opinion, because it's far enough away that the deer don't necessarily sense you or know you're there, but it's close enough that it's a fairly uh, high percentage shot. 25 yards seems to be a good fit. Um, you can get away with a lot of movement, a lot of entry and exit route uh, situations that way. And then, you know, you can usually get a good, pretty good wind um, that's favorable to you if you set up properly in that 25-yard range or distance. You can usually find a, a good wind. So that's kind of my beacon theory in how, back to, back to that, back to the beacon theory. That is how I envision scrapes working within a property. And deer just like I said, those big scrapes, those big community scrapes will just draw a deer from around the area. And that's why, you know, a lot of people will, you'll start seeing Instagram photos pop up of, oh my God, I never knew I had this buck on my property. Well, you probably don't, <laughs> to be honest. He probably came from a neighboring property, but you have a phenomenal scrape. You have a great community scrape area and that buck's going to come to your community scrape to just check it out. And he's crossing like territory lines because his territory is the neighbors, but he's actually crossing territory lines for another mature buck 
to come over here and check that scrape because that's how good it is. So understanding that and how that works within your property um, will really help you try to guess and figure out where these deer are moving and where they're going to be next and and where they come from. I know last year, um, the, my previous guest, Parker, his family, uh, one of the guys, his brother-in-law shot a really nice, uh, buck that was like the thickest eight point I've ever seen in my life. He he scored like 140 inches. So it's a, it was a really nice, tall eight point, but just the pure mass on this deer's antlers were, was outrageous. And he was the dominant buck in the area. But his territory actually only came about, they like in the podcast, I think he said 300 or so acres that his family hunts. And that buck came onto his property for maybe like 30 acres of it. Otherwise, that buck's territory was on the neighbors. And they would only see him on one scrape every, like I think, five to seven days, he would come hit this scrape. So, and they had a cell, cell cam on it, I think is, and so they were able to just like keep an eye on it and check on it. But opening day of gun season just happened to be that day when it was his time to check that scrape. So they were able to, they had a guy out there, his brother-in-law was out there near that scrape and ended up shooting it. But like that was the territory line for that buck. So that scrape was the only reason he was coming over there. He was just checking that one scrape and then going back to the neighbors and the road that it's literally the dividing line was a road and the road is probably, I don't know, 80 to hundred yards away from that scrape. So he literally came off the neighbors, crossed the road, hit that scrape and was going to go back to the neighbors. And that's when they were able to get the shot at it. It's pretty crazy how that worked out, but, uh, but that's just, uh, an example of, how good scrapes can be during the pre-rut and rut. So I think that's, um, I talked about a lot that, uh, the freshness I have here to talk about the freshness of a scrape. One of the other things that'll tell you if a scrape is being used a lot is essentially how fresh it is and how much dirt is is present and how many leaves and grass and stuff like that are present if if the scrape is very highly used and hi, yeah essentially highly visited it's going to pretty much be clear of any debris no leaves no grass it's going to be dug into the mud um, it's going to be very clear and obvious a scrape that's rarely used like a one-timer or a two-timer that a buck just came through and just made it out of you know pure willy-nilliness that is going to have leaves on it and grass on it and it's not going to look as fresh so those scrapes if you come across them like it's cool to note them but don't i wouldn't pay attention much to them because they're not they're not a community scrape they're not an annual scrape you're looking for the ones that are very clear very clean uh looks like bucks are there all the time a lot of times like i said it's going to be dug into the ground and that's going to be your premium scrapes that you're going to want to hunt close to so, uh, and the last thing I want to talk about scrapes is why you would hunt scrapes over rubs. Rubs are so much more plentiful. Uh, deer make rubs all the time. I mean, they can make six, seven, eight rubs a day, if not more, you know? So, I mean, over the course of, you know, a few weeks, there can be hundreds and hundreds of rubs on a property, but 
there's probably only like 10 scrapes. So the rubs don't act like beacons like the scrapes do. Rubs are just saying, I'm here, here's my scent, this is my area, um, I'm, yeah, I'm here. Whereas scrapes provide much more data than that to other deer and much more information to other deer. So that's kind of my little touch on freshness there, um, or freshness and then also scrapes versus rubs, why I would go after scrapes. So in this, in this pre-rut time, if you're out there, you're not having luck or you want to just get a deer on the ground, go out there, spend an afternoon, a midday scouting, just, you know, set your bow down or even just bring your bow with and bring your bow in your quiver um, and just go for a good walk and try to find all these scrapes. Try to f- go on your piece of public or your private that you're hunting and just go walk around. Try to find these scrapes. They're going to be in high traffic areas where trails intersect or uh, there's or their field edges. Anywhere that there's good licking branches, they're going to be, it's, a, it's essentially trail intersections and field edges with licking branches. You're going to be able to find them. And go figure out where they are and mark them. If you have trail cameras, drop them on them or move your trail cameras to those areas so you can get that good inventory and that good data of all the different bucks on your property. And then, uh, and then just start systematically kind of hunting them based on the wind. So if you know a, a, a scrape is really good to hunt for a northwest wind, which is generally a cold front situation, uh, then you get the northwest wind, go hunt that scrape. Or maybe you have like three scrapes that are good for a north wind, you know, three that are good for a south wind, and just start systematically hunting them across your property so that you can see what's going on at each one because trail cameras can only tell you so much. Actually getting eyes and boots on the ground will tell you a lot more. But finding all them is a great place to start and marking them on your mapping system and then you know, systematically taking those apart and just checking those out. I, I really, really enjoy clearly hunting in, around, and using scrapes uh, to figure out deer movement and deer patterns. And I think it's a, it's a hunting style that a lot of newer hunters and even you know more quote unquote advanced hunters uh, forget to use during the rut. A lot of them just want to use pinch points and field edges still or or travel corridors but these these scrapes can get you a lot of information very quickly and can be a great piece um a great area to hunt for sure so anyway that's uh that's this that's this podcast i'm sorry i rambled a lot um just trying to collect all my thoughts here and just go through it. I'll get better at this, I promise. <laughs> but uh, any any questions you guys have, any more information that you'd like to hear or anything like that on scrapes, rubs, or anything like that, please just find me on like Instagram or Facebook and uh, shoot me a direct message. It's Deervane, D-E-E-R-V-A-N-E. You can find me on YouTube. There you don't need an account, so you can just find me on there. It's just type in Anthony Heller Deer Hunting. And my account should pop up. It's Heller A90, I think. And uh, and then, yeah, you got my email as well off of this. That's hellera 90 at gmail.com. So you got any questions or anything like that, feel free to uh, send them my way. And if you have any other topics, any things you want to hear about, uh, please let me know. I can definitely start 
putting those together. I got a friend coming on in a couple of days here to talk about why you hunt and how to fill the freezer and, and what's important in hunting and conservation. Uh, so that'll be a fun one to talk about and just kind of, that's more of a philosophical thing, but, uh, but that one will be coming up. And then you know, next week we'll be getting into other hunting tactics for the pre-rut and um, different ways you can be successful, like pinch points, travel corridors and bedding areas. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, catch you later.